Ways. It's so good to be with you. How are we doing today? Have a good week? I hope you did. Well, I learned something new this morning uh, besides eating fantastic donut. Uh, one, of the, one of the couples that was helping to serve out of the choir, uh, they got first place, the blue ribbon at the Kentucky State Fair for honey this week. They raised bees. And uh, so I've been talking to them because I'm, that's one of my next projects is raising bees uh, at home in my garden. So, uh, yeah, but it looks like I picked a good one, didn't I? They've got, if uh, they got this blue ribbon, well, that's pretty good. Well, so much to talk about today as we look into the gospel reading. It, it has a tremendous amount of meaning and significance for us and begins as, as oftentimes does with somebody coming up to Jesus and asking him a question. So he was traveling now throughout the villages and towns. He was teaching. We're told he was teaching the people about the ways of God. And one, one person comes up and says, Lord, will those who are saved be few? Well, have you ever thought about that? I bet you have. I bet almost everybody has. Lord, will those who are saved be few? Well, in typical fashion of Jesus, he answers them uh, by not by saying a yes or a no, but what does he do? He personalizes it. He, he brings it back to him. See, Jesus was a master at doing that because he wants you to think. You know, it's not a, just an intellectual assent type of question. No, he wants you to think about it and, you know, where you are in your own life, and that's exactly what he does. So I want us to, to provide a, a few insights into the concept, the idea of the narrow gate today, and then look at some practical applications as well. First thing we have to remember is this, there is life after death. There is life after death. Now, physical death does not wipe out our existence. There is no such thing as the death of the soul. Once a soul is, is given by God in the womb at the moment of conception, once that takes place, that soul never dies. It's always, it's eternal, and it never wipes out of its existence, uh, not in the least. But uh, what the church does affirm is that when we die, when we pass physically from this life, our soul goes to be with God, and then there comes a time, a day, when Jesus will come, and when he comes, he's going to reunite our soul and give us a resurrected body. They'll be together, and then we'll go to be with him forever in heaven. Not a bad deal, is it? I think I want some of that. How about you? Would you like to do that? See, uh, we affirm this over and over when we, have a, when we have a funeral mass here in the Eucharistic prayer. What do we say? Life is changed, not ended. See, that's the way it works. It's changed, not ended. What we do is we just enter into the next phase, the next dimension of life, you might want to call it. The second thing that we see uh, clearly spoken of in these readings today is that we will either go to heaven or we'll go to hell. Um, heaven, what about heaven? Heaven is where we all want to go, isn't it? Anybody want to go to hell? Some people like to tell you that, but uh, who wants to go to, huh? I don't. I know I don't. See, uh, heaven is God's kingdom, isn't it? 
See, that's where God is. That's what makes heaven such a wonderful thing. And Jesus, uh, depending upon the circumstance or the application, uh, he, he conveys some meaning about it when he speaks to the people. This one, he's talking about a banquet. He talks about reclining at the table. The, uh, back in those days, when you ate, you'd recline at the table. You'd sort of lean back as you eat. Uh, we've gone so far as today now that our bellies have gotten so big we have to expand the, the booths that we eat in at the restaurants because we can't get it all in between the table and the chair, can we? It's amazing what culture will do to you, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it really will. But uh, there, you know, there is going to be a banquet. What kind of banquet? Is, what's, what's the festive occasion? Well, the festive occasion is this. You, the children of God, are home. You come home. You know, you ever, you know, when somebody comes, like a, one of your children comes home from college, you fix a good meal for them, you have a, a banquet, well, I hope so. Well, sure, sure you do. It's a, it's a festive occasion, and, and that's what it is with Jesus. It's a festive occasion because we're going to celebrate our homecoming into the annals of heaven, and that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. But Jesus also makes it clear that not everybody who says to him, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And in that case, the alternative is hell. Hell, literally and virtually. Well, what's hell like? Uh, maybe a good way to think about it is this. You ever, have you ever told somebody, today was a week from hell? Uh, boy, what does that mean? That means it's rough, doesn't it? I had a rough week, tough week. Well, that's sort of a, an indicator of what it might be. What makes hell hell is that it is a place of eternal separation from God. That's what it is. And to be the absence of God is welling and gnashing of teeth. Isn't that what Jesus said? Yeah, that's what he said, wasn't it? He said, you'll see, the, you'll see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all these, but you will not go. You will not be allowed to be admitted into heaven. Uh, Jesus said this. Now, a lot of people today will tell you this. Don't talk about hell. Well, I, the only response I have to that is this. You get Jesus' permission to not teach about hell, and I won't. Okay. What's he doing? It says he's going through the neighbors, to, through the villages and the neighborhoods to teach them. He's teaching it, isn't he? But well, why is he teaching it? Because it's important. You know, it's, it's like, you don't want to go there kind of thing. So if you want me to stop about talking about it, just get his buy-off on it and let me know, okay? And I'll be glad to stop. Another thing is, has to do with uh, purgatory. You ever heard of purgatory? Well, is purgatory option C? Well, not really. If you're going to purgatory, you're going to heaven. You've got to remember that. The stop, a stop between earth and heaven is purgatory. Uh, why do we need purgatory? Well, it's a place of cleansing. It's a place of preparation. It's a uh, what does purg purgatory sound like? Purge, doesn't it? That's exactly right. That's what it is. You're purging these things out of your life because you're about to stand before a holy God. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? 
And so these things need to be purged out of your life. So purgatory is not option C. Um, the third thing is that when we pass from this life, our eternal destiny will have been determined. Now, reincarnation's popular right now, isn't it? You know, guess what? There's not one scripture, nothing in the teaching of the church that affirms reincarnation. Christian faith. It doesn't exist. Why? Because we don't believe it, because Jesus didn't teach it. That's why. Uh, you know, it, it sounds good today to sort of go through a loop. It makes good movie. You know, you ever seen the Denzel Washington train movie where you just keep doing it until you get it right kind of thing, you know? It doesn't work that way. Uh, no, reincarnation doesn't exist until you get it right. But uh, I think that what the writer of Hebrews says gets it right. says this, it's appointed unto men once to die and then the judgment. Doesn't sound like a loop, does it? There's no loop there. No, that's for sure. And so what we are called to do is to decide now. Did you know this? You're living in the times of grace and mercy. That's what the church calls it. What does that mean? That means that you have a, an ability. You've been given a grace by God. You've been given mercy to choose where you want to go. It's your choice. I mean, it is your choice. God made it that way. It's your choice. Which way do I want to go? And so we live in that time of mercy, but the church clearly teaches when we leave this earth, destiny is sealed at that point. There's no, um, there's no pulling punches at that point. Fourth thing is, since we don't know when we're going to die uh, or when Jesus is going to return, we need to be prepared to meet him. People worry about that. Oh, am I going to heaven? Am I going to heaven? You know, what happens if Jesus returns? Am I, will I be ready? All you got to do is be ready. Just be ready. Are you ready? Let me ask you that question. Are you ready to go meet Jesus today? If you didn't make it home today, are you ready to go meet him? Well, that's a good question. Uh, you know, Jesus said, be prepared. That's all you got to, that's all you have to do. Uh, in light of such truth, let me ask you, what are some of the practical applications of these teachings today? First is, don't judge the eternal destiny of anybody. Well, I tell you, we, we like to judge people. Don't you, are you a judge? You like to judge people. You know, Jesus never said that we were supposed to do that, did he? He's the judge. He, he said, leave the judge into me. I'll take care of it. Don't, you know, don't worry. What am I supposed to do then? Well, he says, go tell others about me. That's what he says. Let others know about the good news of great joy that's coming. Salvation is here. Go love people. Go serve people. Minister people. That's the thing. Don't judge people. I'll do that, the Lord says. I'm the only one capable of doing that in a, in a way that's just. Let's put it that way and full of mercy. Second thing is make your salvation a priority. This is really important. Salvation is a process. You know, it's not a one-time deal. It's a process. It begins at baptism and it ends when we get to heaven. That's when it begins. That's when it's perfected as it is called. 
And so what we are to do in our lives is to make our journey to God a priority. That's what we're called to do. Isn't that what Jesus said? He says, not everybody who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter heaven. Isn't that what he said today? I mean, he's pretty straightforward about it, wasn't he? He said, but it's the one who does the will of the Father. The will of the Father is the one that will enter through the gates. What does that mean? Well, that means I'm going to do what God wills for me to do because I love him. Heaven's a place of love. You know, if you can't love him down here, you sure ain't going to love him up there because there's a lot more of, of him up there. No, it's doing the will of the Father. He says that's, that's going to that's gonna be uh, the judgment. And so what we're called to do is to strive to work towards that as much as we can, to strive to grow in Christ each and every day. That's the joy of life. I mean, there's, there's nothing greater than that. Final thing is to rely heavily upon the sacramental graces that have been given to you through the church. Um, you know, Jesus says, what did he say? This one really goes back to the, to the story here today about the gate. He says, some of you, when you get to the gate, you're not going to be strong enough to open it. I mean, he says that, doesn't he? Well, what make you that way? Well, one way is you haven't eaten today. You're weak, aren't you? What happens when you get, when I, when I forget to eat, I start to shake. I get the shakes. Oh, I got shakes. Uh, I got to eat something, you know, I forget to eat. Uh, I don't have the strength. Well, that's why he's saying you don't have the strength. How are you going to open the gate? It takes strength to open the gate. Well, how can I stay strong? There's one way right there, isn't it? See, that's the strength. See, God has given us all of these graces. Bread of life. He's given us forgiveness of sins. He's given us each other together here today. He's given us the word of God. He's given us opportunities to minister, to serve wherever we go. Our challenge is to accept that and to feast upon the church, the great riches of the church, in order that we can grow in our faith so that when we come to that gate, we'll be strong enough to open it up. You know, that's what he says. Now, people today will say this. I hear it a lot. They say, well, I'm religious, or I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. You heard that? I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. I don't, I don't believe in church institution church but now I do believe in being spirit it doesn't make any sense that makes absolutely no sense why is that you need the church to grow you need the strength of the sacraments to grow the church is important yeah it's got its warts I know that is it perfect no there's a lot of things maybe I'd want to change too but I'd probably get some of them wrong as well. But uh, it doesn't matter. You know, what matters is to feast, to be strong, so that when you get to that gate, bam, open wide the gate. That's exactly what he's saying in it. We need the church. We need the sacraments. They're extremely important. You cannot 
without any kind, you know, the church teaches us over and over again. If you forget the sacrament, if you forget the graces, guess what? What does the church say? It says it's going to be really hard to get to the end. That's why they say it's not, it's not impossible, but it's almost impossible to get to the end without the sacraments, without the life of the church. So make the church a priority. A couple of thoughts for reflection today. One is this. If you were to die before you make it home today, where do you think you'd spend eternity? Where do you think you'd be? Think about that. Second thing is this, what type of priority do you place on regularly receiving the sacraments of the church? They're for you. God bless all of you. I love you. And now, my dear friends,